Well, this is part two of, of a sermon on sanctification. And, and so it's, I am sanctified, part two, self-assessment. I want to do a little review, make sure that we're up to speed. So let's look at our notes. It says, to be sanctified is to be chosen, set apart, and, and a new word we didn't use last week, invested in by God, invested in. Think of sanctification is as God making an investment in who you are, in your life, in, in the rewards that are coming in your future. He's investing in you. And so that investment causes, causes uh, increase. It causes change. And, and I, I thought that was a good word. We've been chosen, set apart, and we're invested in. Number one, as a believer, I have been sanctified. We would also say, I've been justified, I've been saved, I've been forgiven, I've been cleansed. All the words that communicate salvation. I was sanctified at the point of my salvation. So I have been sanctified. But number two, as a disciple, moving a little bit further in the process, as a disciple, I am being sanctified daily through the work of the Holy Spirit. We might say, I'm growing, I'm learning, I'm changing, I'm maturing in my faith, okay, I'm maturing spiritually, so I am being sanctified. And number three, in heaven, okay, in my final destination, in heaven, I will be sanctified in the presence of God. This is the final sanctification, the end of the process. I'll be fully transformed into the version of me, recreated by God, completely unaffected by sin. Sin will not be present. I won't have to deal with it. I won't be tempted by it. So I have been sanctified, I am being sanctified, and I will one day be completely sanctified. Here's a little paragraph trying to sum up what we learned last week. Sanctification is such an integral part of God's will for my life that God himself takes on the responsibility to sanctify me as I progress through my Christian life. The process will involve my biblical knowledge... My attitude, my connection with God, my love for others, my behavior, my, vic my victory over sin, and so much more. My part in the process is to either embrace this process and thus maximize the effects, or fight it and endure the challenges of learning everything the hard way. God will use His Holy Word, the Holy Spirit, His church, and life in general to build your sanctification over time. It will miraculously be completed when you see Jesus face to face. To face. So we spent a whole sermon talking about all those elements. Our conclusion last week was that I am in process with God. I am always in process, always moving forward. God is always working on me. And secondly, I will grow faster if I pursue change rather than fight it or just accept it. And that's where we ended. That's where we ended. That was our application. I'm always in process, and I will go faster if I pursue it. Now, I want to remind you that we looked at half a dozen or more scriptures last week. We talked about each and every one of them. I just want to kind of tell you which one was my favorite. It's not in your notes, but it's Philippians 1.6. And it says, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. That's a description of sanctification. God, the one who began a good work, will carry it out. That's the process. 
to completion when I'm face to face with him and I'm completely, completely transformed. So picking up right there, I want to continue on. This is still in the, the application. This is what do we do with what we learned. So if you missed last week, go back, go on the website, find the sermon. You don't want to miss the scripture that all this is based on. But I want to ask the question, or I want to make some statements about ways to pursue sanctification. So I said if you pursue it, you're going to grow faster. That should be our goal. We should be pursuing God. We should be actively engaging in the sanctification process. How do we do that? Well, I have three thoughts for you. Number one, seek. And the word seek implies some effort on your part. Uh, some investigation, some motivation, some action. So seek godly teachers and become their students or disciples. Now there's a difference between a student and a disciple. A student uh, sits under a teacher and learns from them. In school, you may have had several different teachers, each one teaching a different subject. You would move from teacher to teacher to learn whatever subject you were being taught. A disciple is a student that goes beyond the relationship of simply teacher-student. A disciple then sets in their mind to become like their teacher. So Jesus had disciples, Paul had disciples, the apostles had disciples, and they were mentoring them, training them, helping them to literally take over for them one day. So what I'm suggesting is that you figure out who those godly teachers are, find them, and become their students. And as a student, you may take on five or six teachers. And one day, as one of those teachers rises up, and you say to yourself, we have common characteristics, common personalities. How can, I, how can I become more like them as they are a godly example? What, what things do they offer that I can take in, the positive things? And, and how am I going to do this? Well, you can use podcasts. That's, if you've been around for any length of time, you know that's my favorite resource, the podcast. Listening to a variety of things from a variety of teachers. And then I, I have my favorites. You can also read books. And, and so usually you're an you're audio or, or you're a visual. Usually you, you read or you listen. And, and those can overlap quite a bit. But some of you will read. And you'll read the same material, maybe even by the same people that I'm listening to. And that can be devotionals, study guides, and anything in between. Where you're, you're sitting under the teaching of a teacher who wrote it down so you could take it with you anywhere you go. You might find these people on the radio. You might find apps on your phone. And then if you're a reader and, 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 and you're into the internet and stuff, you might find blogs. You know, a, a blog is just someone, it's, it's like you get to read their, their, their daily spiritual diary and they, they write it for you to read. And they cover a lot of topics. So seek godly teachers. Look for them. Don't be happy until you find them and then sit under their tutelage. Sunday morning is good. I'm going to tell you and I'm going to tell everybody, don't miss church. Don't miss church in, 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 unless you have to. Obviously, there's always a reason here or there, but don't miss unless you have to. And, and sit under the teaching of the pastor and, and be in Sunday school and all that stuff. But I'm also going to tell you that's probably not enough. 
One day a week is not enough feeding to keep you healthy. So seek godly teachers. Number two, regularly interact with like-minded believers. And the most obvious place to do that is in church, and I'm going to just repeat what I just said. That's good, and it should be happening, but that's probably not enough. You don't have enough time on Sunday morning to really do a lot of interacting. Sunday morning is, is more the launching pad of these things, where you, you meet people, you have common interests, you, you figure out where they're going to be, maybe in a small group or something like that, and then you spend time with them as like-minded believers. So, you might do this in a small group. A small group can meet for Bible study, it can meet to go through a devotional, it can meet for prayer, it can even meet for a common activity where you just want to get together to do the activity as a group of believers. So your conversation is honoring to God. And, and you might pray before you start, and someone might, might have something that's on their heart and mind you can talk about. But the, the function might be a, a craft or a sport or something like that. So small groups are a good place to interact with like-minded believers. In a ministry, the, the people that serve in Awanas get to know each other. The people that serve in youth group get to know each other. Sunday school teachers get to know each other. Those who are serving together build relationships. Using hospitality, invite people into your home. Spend time with like-minded believers by inviting them into your home. And, and you can spread this out to the whole church, one or two at a time. Obviously in church... And on mission, when there's something happening, you can, you know, a short-term kind of thing, you can get involved in. So regularly interact with like-minded believers. And then number three, regularly interact with God. This is kind of obvious, but kind of not. I, I'm going to grow faster. I, I'm going to pursue the process of sanctification as I spend time with God. So there's our daily prayers, which in my mind, my daily prayers should have a lot to do with, Lord, help me serve you well today. Keep my attitude in check. Help me to think like you. Please guide me through whatever decisions I need to make. Um, help me to, to love others. Help me to impact people. Help me to be the, the employee that makes a difference. That's, the, that's part of the daily prayer. Obviously, it's then my requests. I have this thing I need to accomplish. I have this task or this goal I have this issue. I'm going to bring my request. But then weekly intercession, where, where I sit down and I have a list of other people's concerns, other people's issues. Now, those can join together if you're disciplined enough to, to pray regularly for both. But at least weekly sit down and, and just pray for other people. Personal Bible study is a good way to interact with God. I'm going to read the scripture. I'm going to look for what he's telling me. I'm just going to allow it to come into my heart and mind. I'm going to read it enough that I become more familiar. And then worship. Worshiping together in church. Worshiping in your car. Worshiping in your home. It's, it's probably the fastest way to, to gain that connection with God. is to sing to him. Uh, to speak out his attributes. To acknowledge him regardless of who's around or what's happening. So there's just three things. I'm sure there's more. But these are three categories that I wanted to bring up how to pursue sanctification. Seek godly teachers, become their students, regularly interact with like-minded believers, and regularly interact with God. Now on the back side, I want to give you a, a kind of a tool to use. This is not something I created. 
Um, it's something I learned at a workshop. I brought it home, and, and I put it here, and I'm going to show you some more things. But this is a, a measuring tool from a book called Real Life Discipleship. And it, it takes you through a process. So my goal right now is to help you identify where you're at. Where you're at in the process. I'm going to give you markers that you can identify with. And you can ask the question, am I here? Am I there? And if, if I'm here, do I need to be there? How do I get there? What do I do? So we're going to go through this process. We'll, we'll take it a little slow. And we're going to try to try to help. So this is, this is a really practical application. I want you to really think about this. Take it seriously. So the first place, uh, the first note, the first line in your notes there, I want you to fill in the word dead. Everybody starts the sanctification process as spiritually dead. Every unsaved person is spiritually dead. You're, you're dead because you do not have life. You do not have spiritual life. You have not been redeemed. You have not become a new creation. You have not surrendered to God and received forgiveness. So, in your notes, people in this stage have not yet accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. They may completely reject God, and we've all met people like that. There is no God. I don't want to talk about God. Don't bring God up. If you bring God up, I'm leaving. I don't want to have anything to do with him. Matter of fact, don't even use the word. We've met those people. That can be spiritually dead. They may be seeking God. Like, I, I want to know God. I'm looking for God. But until the moment in time where they find him and they accept him as Lord and Savior, they're still spiritually dead. They may even be spiritual. Some of the, the, the kind of the cool thing for a while, I think, is still there, was for people to be spiritual. Well, I spend time with nature. I spend time with my God. I, I, I pray in my own way. I worship in my own way. I'm very spiritual. I contemplate things a lot. I meditate on the problems of the world and to try to find a solution. Very spiritual, but very dead. Because they have not received forgiveness. They have not found the true God. They may even claim to know God or claim to be a Christian. It, it's always surprising and it always happens. One day here and there in the church, someone who we all think is already saved gets saved. Maybe even someone who's a member who shared their testimony realizes they, they're not saved and gets saved. It happens. So someone may think they're they're a Christian because they were baptized as a child or went to church as a kid or because their grandma told them they were or because they live in America or things like that. They may claim to be a Christian, may claim to know God when they don't. In reality, they are their own God. They set up their own God, their own system of worship. They set up their own way to be saved. So all these people are spiritually dead. They, they, they have not begun, if you will, the process of living. So the next person in line, the next plateau, if you will, the, last, the next marker is the infant. The infant. So you're a spiritual infant. People in this stage have accepted Christ, but haven't moved much past that point. They can be brand new believers, or they might be stagnant long-time Christians, who, and I should qualify that, who have not been discipled, have not grown. Life is generally about them and their needs. Now, the interesting thing about this and every, every other one of these is that when you become spiritually living, you start as an infant. 
So being an infant is not a negative thing. It's just a starting place. We should not see someone who got saved a month ago or even a year ago and say, wow, you should be so much more like me by now or so much more like Christ by now when you've been saved for 10, 20 years. We should accept them as infants and, and recognize their needs and help them move beyond that. Every child that's ever been born is an infant, and we love them and cherish them, and we hold them. We don't say, hey, it's been three days, man, feed yourself. Get up and walk, lazy. You know, we, we care for them, and that's how we should approach an infant believer. They, they've, they've only been saved a little while, or they're malnourished after their salvation. They haven't been discipled. And we recognize they haven't been discipled. We disciple them. And as they are infants, we help them grow. So the next stage is child. We have infant, then we have child. You know, child is a, is a broad term. It's the toddler up to the teenager. You know, it can encompass all that. Sometimes the child is 20 years old. You know, it's a maturity measurement, not an age marker. So people in this stage are growing in their relationship with God. They have marked growth. We can see growth. We see them maturing. They're also beginning to grow in their relationship with other Christians. So they're getting the idea of church. They're getting the idea of iron sharpening iron and relationships being important. They're applying God's word in their life and allowing others to walk beside them in their journey following Christ. These are all positive things. This should all be true of all of us. However, it's still mostly about them. Remember the infant? It's all about them. I'm hungry. I'm tired. I need change. I want to be held. I want to be put down. I want the light on. I want the light off. Any number of things. The infant is all about them. I will cry to let you know I'm not happy. It is your job to figure out why. Pay attention to the clues, right? That's the infant. The child is progressing, but it's still mostly about them, their needs, their comfort. They're involved in ministry, but the question is, what ministry do I want to be involved in? What ministry am I comfortable with? Where can I serve to get the most out of it myself? See the, see the childishness there? Uh, I, I want to sing to God, but I want it to be my music. I want it to be the music I like. I want it to sound like I want it to sound. I want to be involved, but I want the schedule to fit my schedule. I, I, want, I want it to be convenient for me. See how that so has that selfish sound to it? So the child is growing, and a lot of times uh, they, they build relationships with other believers, but they build relationships with other children. And, and so we find people that think the same way we do, we validate each other, and we move forward like that's okay, like that's the way it should be. And, and again, a child is a child. We, we don't look at a five-year-old and say, you know, you need to start producing some income, man. You're expensive. Right? We, we don't look at a, a, a child a believer and have expectations of them that don't fit where they're at. We've got to recognize they're in process. And, and we get caught up in, well, you're 40 years old. Why aren't you mature? Well, maybe they're only two years old as a believer. Maybe they haven't had the discipleship you've had. So we, you have to recognize that children are children. We need to be grateful for children. These are the very people we, we need to invest in. They're progressing along. They're doing well. They are marked by selfish tendencies. 
The next level is young adults. Young adults, these are people who are making a big shift from being self-centered to more other-centered. All of a sudden they realize that there's, there's 20 other people in the room, or there's 50 other people in the room, and they all have desires and preferences and schedules and conflicts. And, and so we're gonna, I'm going to start thinking of the group, and I'm going to start thinking of others. Uh, they're beginning to understand their role as a giver rather than a taker. Uh, I start coming to church looking for who I can encourage, not just to be encouraged. Who can I minister to, not just to be ministered to yourself? How, what, what can I get involved in? How can I help solve a need? Uh, it's, it's really not my thing necessarily. I'm not sure, but I'll give it a try. Let me serve for a while. They're, they're more giver than taker. They're ministering to others, putting others first. They're being doers of the word. And here's the beauty of a young adult. A young adult is the best combination of maturity and energy. Young adults can get it done. They can move and move and move. They have, they have energy. They have motivation. They, they, are, they are really the ones that get the most done, these young adults. And they have the maturity to serve. They have maturity to realize they may not always be right. There may be other ways. They're going to get involved. They're going to work together. So as, as you progress from child to young adult, and you couple that with your energy level and, and your motivation to serve and your, your, your awe-ness of what God has done, this, this is the main group of people in the church. And we need them. And we need to celebrate them. Now, usually this is where physical age comes into play. When the young adult who's serving and doing well, all of a sudden they realize, I can't, I can't do what I used to do. I can't keep up like I used to keep up. I, I, I can't be the one to get it done. And so we move into the parent range. That's the next word, parent. People on this stage have a solid understanding of God's word and a deep abiding relationship with the Father. Okay, they're, they're probably not dealing with that ongoing sin. They're probably not having questions about, is God right? Can I trust God? Is God faithful? Is the Word of God real? It, is, they, they're those, they're, they've kind of moved past those questions. They're living out God's Word in their daily life. They're, they're, they're hearing the promise and pursuing the promise. They're living like everything God said is going to happen. They are other-centered and God-dependent. They move ahead based on what God's going to do, based on His promises. They're able to reproduce mature disciples of Jesus by inviting others to follow them as they follow Christ. So they are beyond the doing it all themselves, and now they're in the do it with someone else. Let me train you to do it. Let me pass this on. Let you be the leader, and I'll be the servant. Okay? Now some parents are young enough that they still have the energy of the young adults, and they can do both at the same time. They can run right beside the young adult and disciple them at the same time. That's a great asset to have. Parents who can still work as young adults, maybe they are still young adults, they're, they're, but they're parents. They're in that multiplication stage. I've discovered what God wants, and I've discovered how to help you discover. I, I'm here to help you become who God wants you to be. I will, I will train you, and I'll mentor you, and I'll pray for you, and I'll, I'll guide you. I'll, I'll bring scripture to the situation. I'm, I'm a parent. And then there's the grandparent. 
And, and this is often when age is the greatest factor. We don't get around that much. I've been a Christian a long time. My mobility is an issue. Strength is an issue. People in this stage are settled in their faith. Settled in their faith. Struggle with very little ongoing sin. They are pillars in the church and in their family. They're prayer warriors. They're examples to all. They're servants still. They require little to no recognition. These are the folks that, that become the, the spiritual foundation. The, the kind of people that when they, they, they speak up, everyone wants to hear what they say because what they say is always full of wisdom. These are the folks that are spending the majority of their time encouraging others, praying for others, discipling others, investing in others. They're way beyond the physical, and now they're just they're into the spiritual. How can I help you? How can I help you grow? How can I invest in you? What can I do to make you a better person? What can I do to further the kingdom of God? They recognize the spiritual element as the main element. Okay, now, important keys key points to remember. I want you to hear this. This is a tool. This did not come from the Bible. I don't have a verse attaching these titles, okay? This is a tool, not designed to label people or put them in a box. Matter of fact, number two, or second one, this is a self-assessment designed to help us know where we are spiritually so that we can know where we need to be next and what that looks like. I should look at this and go, Okay, I've been that, I've been that, I, I, this is kind of what I think I am, this is what I hope I am, this is how I want to be described. Wow, that's a goal, that's what I want to become. It's, it's a self-assessment, it's not an opportunity to say, oh, well, you know who needs to hear this. Wow, I hope they realize they're one of these because they've been one too long. I want them to change. No, it's self-assessment. And the last one, this describes a process of spiritual maturity. It will vary from person to person. God doesn't take us down the same path in the same order. It's going to vary person to person. We're going to progress differently. Our map is going to look different. And then I want to say this. Age, income, responsibility, and confidence play insignificant roles. In other words, they're not the most important thing. They are not the most important thing. We often err in saying that, wow, you're 50 years old, you must be mature. You must be a young adult or a parent. Wow, you're 60, 70, 80, you must be in the grandparent line. Wow, you, you run to responsibility, you must be this or that. You have a lot of confidence. We're going to put you in leadership. A lot of times an infant or a child is given leadership responsibility because of their confidence, because of the position they hold in the world, because of their age. And that's not how God works. We need to look at the spiritual side of things. Now, lest you get excited that we got to the end of the notes, there's more. In your bulletin, you have a half sheet of paper and it's got a chart on each side. I need you to pull that chart out and we're going to kind of run through the same thing again. I'm going to give you more information. So look at the one that has grandparent on it in the upper right-hand corner. There's two sides. I'm only going to look at the one side, side that has grandparent. 
And I want to run through these again. This time we're going to identify needs and tasks. So the first category is the dead person, the spiritually dead person. Their main trait or characteristic is unbelief. They don't believe yet in God, Jesus Christ, in the gospel. They're self-governed. Okay, that's the default characteristic. They're self-governed and they're usually feelings ruled. They make decisions based on how they feel, what they want, how they rationalize, how they reason. They're not using God. They're not using Scripture. So it's a very self thing, kind of, you know, dead. They're, they're, you know. Their need is salvation. Their need is not to learn doctrine. Their need is not to argue some of the, the, the bigger things of faith. Their need is to hear the gospel. So our task when we know someone is dead spiritually, is to share the gospel. We want to show them what a Christian looks like, and when they see what a Christian looks like, and they inquire about your faith, you don't tell them about anything other than the gospel. Now, you might give examples of how the gospel has impacted you, how it's changed your life, but what they need to know is that as sinners, Jesus died for their sins. It is a free gift that they can accept and become forgiven and be given life. They can become a spiritual infant instantly by believing the gospel and accepting the gift of salvation. So that should give us some clarity in how we approach people that aren't saved. We need to be moving towards the gospel at all times. We don't need to spend our time arguing about peripheral things where they think they found a loophole or something like that. We need to be sharing the gospel. Then there's the infant. The infant, their characteristic or their trait is ignorance. And that sounds like a bad word, but it's just a description. They don't know things because they haven't learned them yet. They are new. They are dependent on others. They are needy. They need extra prayer. They need extra encouragement. They need extra scripture. They need extra patience. They need to be loved when they fail. They, they have a lot of needs because they're infants. They don't know all the promises. They don't know the character of God. They don't know how to walk on their own. They don't know how to feed themselves. So what do they need? They need growth. They need opportunities to grow. They need time to grow. They need nourishment to grow from. We need to encourage them to be in church, to be in those small groups, to be discipled. We need to encourage them in their walk. If we're coming alongside them in a business opportunity, we disciple them as Christian business people. And, and whatever category you want to put that in, uh, celebrations, hobbies, neighborhoods, we, we spur them on, we help them grow so that they're less ignorant, less dependent, and less needy over time so that one day they're, they're not so much. So our task on their behalf, as children, young adults, parents, and grandparents, our task is to share truth with them and help them develop spiritual habits. Help them to develop the things that will cause them to grow. Now then there's child. And most people don't stay in the infant stage all that long, although it is a process and it does take time. Three or four years in, maybe less, maybe more, we enter the child stage. And remember the child 
is, is progressing, but they're still selfish. I am, in effect, the center of my spiritual universe. I want to know how it affects me. I want to know where I can get the most out of this. And it's fairly selfish. I am learning, though, and I am growing. We celebrate the growth. We celebrate the learning. And in a lot of ways, we forbear the selfishness. Sometimes we just have to let them go through the process. Prod them a little bit, help them a little bit, move them along. What they need is a new focus on God and others. They need to take the focus off themselves and put it on God. And then the focus on God will cause them to focus on others. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. They need purpose. They need to know why they exist, why they are in the church, why they're a part of this community. Why did God leave them here after they were saved? What does God want them to do? That's what their need is. So what we need to give to them, and by we, I mean other people, in the, for them, the young adult parent and grandparent, we need to involve them in ministry. We need to get them involved, let them serve. They need to get involved in small groups so they can, they can be a part of a growth process. They can learn side by side with others. They can build those Christian friendships and relationships. And we need to help them connect with God. Help them learn how to read the Bible and understand the Bible and study the Bible. Learn how to pray. Learn how to intercede for others. We need to help them. Help them get involved. Help them grow. Then we have the young adults. These, these are really, the young adult is, is the category of person. Now we're, now we're serving. Now we're contributing. I'm contributing in many ways. I'm contributing what I've learned. I'm contributing character to the group. I'm contributing financially. I'm contributing from my expertise. I'm serving in a variety of ways, and, and I'm serving in many ways. I'm loving others more than I'm loving myself. I, I've got that idea. I've, I've passed up that hurdle. I'm generous. These are the things that characterize me. These are the, the main people that are, that are doing the work of the ministry. What they need is, is to engage in ministry. They need to to settle into a ministry that is theirs. This is who I am in the church. This is what I'm doing. It might change from time to time, but when they get involved, it's their ministry. It's not me helping you. It's not I'll be here for a month while I'm filling in. I was like, I'm like, I'm in. Teach me how to serve in this area. They're in, they need to invest in others because that's, that's what's going to bring them fulfillment. What do we need to give them? We need, to, we need to equip them. We need to give them tools. We need to help them learn more. We need to train them. We need to provide opportunities for them to be trained and to grow. We need to release them. Let them be in charge of something. Let them make the calls. Let them learn from their own mistakes. Let them grow. Let them realize and figure things out under the guidance of the parent and the grandparent. Maybe you're a parent. Maybe your life is very intentional. You don't waste time on frivolous things. You, you spiritually do things, spiritually say things, spiritually get involved in things with a purpose. This is my goal for today. This is, this is what I want to learn. This is what I want to teach. This is a truth that needs to be shared with the next group of people. I, I'm involved in self-directed growth. I find the books to read. I, I find the podcast to listen to. I, I am a student, and I'm becoming a disciple. Or maybe I am a disciple. I have spiritual wisdom. I can reason through a, 
a, a topic and offer a biblical answer, not just the worldly answer. I, I know how to reason through, how to discover God's will, how to take the principles of Scripture and apply them to life. I know how to look at a promise and pursue it. So I'm intentional, self-directed, spiritually wise. What do, what do the parents need? They need to make disciples who make disciples. They need to start reproducing themselves and others. They need to, to realize that they're not going to be here long. They, they will get old. They will die. And, and, and for the church to succeed and for ministry to happen, they need to replace themselves. They need to make people that will be side-by-side side working with them. They need to coach. They need to sometimes step away from leadership, let someone else lead. Step away and encourage them. What do they need from us? What does the church need to provide? Connection with younger believers. They need to provide that opportunity for that cross-pollination. We need to appoint them. We need to, to give them the authority. I know you're trying to figure out what that appoint word was. It's appoint. <laughs> then there's the grandparent. You, you might be a grandparent. You're, you're steadfast in your faith. Uh, you are proven in your relationship with God, and God has proven himself to you over and over and over again. You're reliable. When you say, I'll be here Tuesday at 9, you're here Tuesday at 9. It's going to take a lot of things to keep you from, from being where you said you're going to be and do what you said you're going to do. God can give you an assignment, and, and he knows you're going you're to follow through on it. What does, what does that person need? They need to be involved in prayer. They need to be involved in discipleship. They need to be involved in leading and loving others. They need to be involved in serving still. This grandparent is, they're, they're going to do what they can do, and they're going to find more things they can do because not doing something is not acceptable. They're going to they're write letters. They're going to make phone calls. They're going to they're pray for people even if they don't know exactly what their issues are. They're, they're going to be doing the spiritual things regardless of who else is around or where it takes place. What do we need to do for them? We need to care for them. We need to interact with them. And we need to love them. They're not on a shelf. They're not in the back. They're not left out. These are the honored among us. These are the ones we should be taking our questions to if we're the parent, or the young adults. These are who we should be learning from. We should learn from their experience. Why do I have to learn something the hard way when someone else already has? Why can't I go and learn from them? I take their wisdom, bring it in. Now, I, what I want you to do is I want you to honestly ask the question, where do I fit in here? Am I a young adult with childish tendencies? A am I a child because I'm growing but still pretty ignorant? So I'm a child with infant tendencies? Am I dead? Do I actually not know Christ? Am I, am I interested but everything's just vague and weird and doesn't make any sense? Do I not have a connection with God? If I'm dead... I need to talk to someone about being born again, being saved, gaining spiritual life. Am I a parent? Am I at the point where, where I need to invest more in others than simply be the one who's doing it? Am I a grandparent who's, who's really lost, lost my, my, my ability to know what to do? Uh, do I feel lost? Well, here's your marching orders. Where am I at? And I want you to realize 
that you should be progressing. Now, the, the grandparent will one day progress to standing face-to-face before God if they're given age, if, if they're blessed with a long life. You, you may die before you get to be the grandparent. But even the grandparent becomes a, gr- a better grandparent. You know, I am a grandparent. It's a wonderful thing. I'm always asking myself, honestly, how can I be a better grandparent? What do I need to do to have a relationship with these boys 10 years from now? What do I need to do so that they see me as a spiritual grandparent? What do I need to do so that they, they're asking me for advice and, and they have communication with me? As a spiritual grandparent, we ask the same questions. How can I invest? How can I serve? So where are you at? Where do you need to go? Have you been teetering between one or two and it's time to make the leap? Do you need to go back and look for those spiritual mentors? Do you need to go back and say, I need to spend more time with other believers? I can't disciple anybody and I can't be discipled if I'm not spending time with other believers. Have you let your interactions with God wane? Are you slacking off on that? What do I need to do to progress? How can I progress? Just a tool. So you can have a a self-assessment and say, okay, I've, I've gotten this far. I'm really happy about that. I need to get this far. I need to go farther. Or maybe, wow, I've been stuck right here for a really long time, and I'm guessing that's not good. I'm a 32-year-old Christian child. I've been saved for 30 years, and I'm still a child. I better get on this. I better move. I better grow up. I I want you to find motivation in this. Because here's our talking point for the day. At the bottom of your notes. I believe in sanctification. Help me never be satisfied where I'm at. Help me never be satisfied where I'm at. Let's say that together. Dear Jesus, I believe in sanctification. Help me never be satisfied where I'm at. Father God, we desperately do not want to be satisfied because satisfaction becomes stagnation and stagnation becomes degeneration. And that's not where we want to live. That's not who we want to be. So Father, I hope this little chart helps. I hope our discussion today has helped. I hope that we seek after teachers who will disciple us. I hope we continually interact with you in your word and and in prayer. Father, help us to do the things it takes to grow so that we can be used by you, so that you can send us on assignment. And Father, help us never to be satisfied with how far we've gotten, because there's always farther to go. And we so look forward to the day when we stand face to face with you, completely transformed and and made holy, sanctified in the ultimate sense. Be with us this week. I ask this in your son's name. Amen.